This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health, a new fully integrated biopharmaceutical solutions organization, a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health. Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit cineoshealth.com slash podcast. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Wednesday, October the 24th, and we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Shannon Jones. Uh, I am privileged and honored to have a very special guest joining us today, one of my favorite fools. Uh, Many of our listeners who are members may know him very well. I am pleased to welcome Simon Erickson, who is the lead advisor of Motley Fool Explore as well. Simon, so glad to have you on the show today. Uh, Shannon, the privilege and honor is actually mine. Thank you very much for having me. No, no, trust me, it's all on this end. I'm super, super excited to have you on the show for this topic. I know it's something you've been extremely passionate about, uh, really, over the last few years. I know we've talked about this kind of on and off for a while, but um, one of the things that I love about uh, healthcare, and more importantly, the fusion of healthcare and technology is is it's always interesting when Silicon Valley enters the mix and they've got what I think and what you think is probably one of the biggest bets in healthcare right now. Simon, what can you tell us about Silicon Valley's latest big bet in healthcare? Oh my gosh, well Shannon, this is just such an exciting time to be in the healthcare industry. As you know better than anyone, I mean, people maybe sometimes think of healthcare as a slow-moving dinosaur industry that hasn't really progressed in decades, but that's really not the case. This is an incredible time to be an investor in the healthcare industry because things are moving so quickly. Uh, What you're referring to as far as Silicon Valley's interest is largely in the space of genomics, uh, specifically and cancer treatment, because we're in a day and age now that you're actually able to see a patient at a genetic level. We're able to see a patient's DNA, and of course, DNA is the building blocks of what makes us unique as an individual. And so when when you're able to see more and more information about a patient, you can also personalize those treatment options that you have. And as a doctor, that just just provides much better outcomes. It's going to be a very, very good time, uh, not only to be in the healthcare industry, but also to be an investor in healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. And when you take... Um, the innovative approaches in healthcare, and then you marry that with some of these huge, high unmet need areas. And I mean, there's no hotter space right now in healthcare than oncology and cancer. Um, according to the World Health Organization, cancer is the second leading cause of death globally and is responsible for an estimated 9.6 million deaths in this year so far. And I mean, that's, of course, one aspect. There's also, too, just the economic impact of cancer as well. Um, They also reported in 2010, actually, it was estimated the global, the U.S. healthcare spend was actually 1.16 trillion U.S. dollars. So, Simon, diving into this space is super exciting not just for patients, but also to from an economic perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Shannon, you nailed it that kind of the first part of this was more academic, right? For 20 years, it was trying to figure out the correlations between specific genes and then diseases or conditions that would arise from this, this blueprint that is each individual. And that was all pretty interesting. They've now identified more than 2,000 different hereditary traits. Um, some of those are, you know, our height or our, or our hair color. 
But some are other other things too, like insomnia and other, you know, certain behavioral conditions. Of course, the most valuable and interesting for the medical community, as you mentioned, is, is cancer and treating oncology, this, this field of people that have very serious conditions. The reason that it's so interesting for everyone right now is because cancer is not just uniform in how you approach it. Uh, for example, one of the most diagnosed cancers in the United States is lung cancer. There's more than 200,000 conditions that are diagnosed for lung cancer every year in the U.S. alone. And it's skewed that even though the overall survival rate after five years for lung cancer is only 17%, so this is a very serious cancer, if you catch it at stage four, which is the latest stage for cancer, like a lung cancer, that's only a 5% survival rate. But if you can catch it at stage one, you have greater than a 70% survival rate. And so for oncologists, the goal is not only to understand and correlate these academic purposes that we've looked at the genome for 20 years, but now that it's getting into the scientific community, how can we actually treat these patients in a personalized manner and catch it earlier on so that we can have a much better patient outcome and a higher survival rate from the most serious of conditions. Exactly. And even more importantly, when you look at, you talked about um, biopsy. And of course, for most cancers, biopsy is how you diagnose a cancer. And that's extremely invasive. But what we have here is this shift. Um, and what we're really diving into is, can we actually detect within a blood sample these free-floating this free-floating DNA, and can we then use that to then tailor or personalize the treatment options? Um, and of course, there's also the aspect, too, of just early prevention, early detection as well, but really looking at it from a treatment-specific personalized medicine approach. Um, so there's huge advantages with not only capturing all this data that, of course, really it was led by the Human Genome Project project that started, you know, decades ago. And now we're actually starting to see the fruit of that. Um, but also, as you look further down the line, it's how can we now take that and use those insights into actionable treatment plans that actually make a difference? And to your point, Simon, to do it early on, because that's where it makes the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And liquid biopsy, so much, like you said, less invasive than, than a tissue biopsy. This is a huge step for the medical community. has its challenges, but that's definitely the direction I think that, that we want to go with this. Absolutely. And this is a huge market. Um, I was looking at some numbers, Simon. I saw upwards of $150 billion across the entire spectrum. Do you think that that's outrageous at all? Uh, it's going to take time. It's not outrageous in any, in any form. Like you said, this is kind of a reactive versus proactive approach that will determine the ultimate addressable market for, for these screenings. Again, right now, the addressable market is mostly later stage cancers. Patients are showing symptoms. Maybe you're at stage three or stage four. You just want to identify what cancer it is that's appeared. That might be less than a $10 billion market right now, not so large. But if we can push that back, like you said, with a liquid biopsy, a preventative screen through a blood test, uh, there are estimates that even just in stage two, that's a $40 billion market right there. And even stage one would be more than a $100 billion market. So you add all those up together. It depends how good we get at doing these screens. There's still a lot of challenges we have, not only financially from a reimbursement perspective of whether, the, whether or not they're medically necessary uh, for patients, or just a nice to have and nice to know. At this point, that's still kind of unclear. And then the other thing is the technical challenges too. The last thing you wanna do is have false positives, 
where you're starting to really worry, you know, emotionally about having a cancer that's not actually there in the first place. So anything less than in 100% or very near to 100% accuracy um, is going to cause a lot of issues. So this is a field that's still developing, still has a lot of work to go, but definitely could be $150, $150 billion market, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I think is another thing to watch here is as these companies uh, really start to develop these products, and we actually see them in these large patient populations, is looking to see just how congruent are these tests. Do they represent and show the same thing. There was some research a little bit earlier this year that seemed to put a question mark on that. Um, I think there'll be more to come, but I think that's also another huge area to watch. And you mentioned, you know, on the reimbursement side, will, you know, payers like Medicare pick these up? And even too, from a regulatory pathway, I know the FDA has become much more open to innovative, personalized treatments. Um, We'll want to continue to see that and really hopefully we'll continue to spur the, the entire ecosystem that's involved from diagnosis all the way to care. Uh, Simon, I want to dig into the top stocks that you think are the most relevant, the ones that our listeners really need to watch. We'll get into that just on the other side of the break. But before we do, just a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health. Bringing a new drug to market is getting tougher and tougher. At Cineos Health, they are changing the game. As a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, they've created a unique business model that allows clinical and commercial disciplines to work together, eliminating traditional process obstacles and delivering something they call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Helping our customers accelerate the delivery of important therapies to patients, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. All right, so we are back. And so, Simon, before we dive into stocks that our listeners should be watching, um, as I mentioned, you've been watching this space literally for years now. You've kind of seen it ebb and flow and grow. Um, I want to start with one that you and I have talked about quite a bit. Um, Of course, if you're a member of The Motley Fool, you're probably pretty familiar with this first stock. But the first one we're going to dive into is the gene sequencing giant Illumina. And for our listeners, that's ticker symbol I-L-M-N. And more importantly, we're going to be actually focusing on its spinoff venture, which is Grail. Simon, what can you tell us about Illumina and Grail? Uh, Illumina is is the 800-pound gorilla in genomic sequencing. They are the largest player by far, Shannon. Uh, they did more than 90% of the world's high-throughput genomic sequences. Every year, for basically since their creation, they, they basically built upon this concept of next-generation sequencing. So doing uh, genomic sequences faster and faster and at lower and lower costs. And that's how you've been able to see a whole genome sequence can be done for less than $1,000 today in a couple of hours, you know, and they're still saying that they have the architecture in place to get it below $100. And the reason this is so important is because for any of this to be uh, financially feasible uh, or even time feasible, we have to get those costs of sequencing lower and lower. It's, It's information that's great for oncologists to have, but it has to be financially available to pay for. And that's something that Illumina has driven down the cost of sequencing for decades now. 
And it's interesting. Uh, another stock we'll get to in a minute. Actually, most of their sequencing is done by Illumina's machine. So, I mean, if there was a stock that I think is a favorite among the full, um, I think Illumina is definitely it. And I think what's really interesting with Illumina is this pan-cancer screening approach that they have. Um, and so, really, they're hoping to diagnose people at a very early stage, even before they have symptoms, and irregardless of the cancer type. And honestly, looking at Illumina and this Grail approach that they're going after, um, they've got huge backers. So, they've got some deep pockets to actually pull this off. What can you tell us about that, Simon? Oh, my goodness. Yes, indeed. They've got everybody on board with this. Like you said, Shannon, Illumina kind of, one of the interesting things about this company, a lot of people think it's a race to the bottom, right? Is Illumina making any money if they keep pushing down the cost of a genomic test? And yes, they are. You know, they're making two-thirds of their money from basically consumable materials for each one of those runs. So as we see the volume continue to increase, more and more people doing genomic tests, we've seen the consumer DNA databases, Shannon. You know, these are the 23andMe's and the, uh, the Ancestry.com's, basically the kits they send to your home. We've seen the subscriptions to those increase from 12 million people to 25 million people in just the last seven months. So we're seeing this exponential increase in volume. That's very good for Illumina, the Illumina business. As you mentioned, the grail side of this, is more actually of the software data science play on it. Now that you have all of these genomes, how can you correlate between them to find a specific gene responsible for a specific condition? And Jails, uh, sorry, Jails, Grails for a CEO was actually an ex-Google executive. You can just kind of see they're trying to make sense of this terabyte of data that comes from each genomic sequence that's done on those Illumina machines. And of course, the insight and the analytical approach to detect cancer very, very early stage before there's any symptoms is their goal. Uh, and you mentioned also the financial backers. They've got Jeff Bezos on board backing this company. Bill Gates is on board, J&J. &J, and of course, Illumina themselves is on board with Grail. They just raised their Series C. They brought in $300 million from mostly Chinese companies. And there's even rumors, Shannon, that there might be an IPO for Grail within the next year, probably listed in Hong Kong. That's something I'm paying a lot of attention to right now. Yeah, I heard that, which will be really interesting if it happens. Um, and also, too, another key thing to watch is Grail has started uh, putting out data related to this large-scale multi-center trial. And it's basically an observation trial. Um, and so, in order to have a population-wide uh, screening test, Grail knows it needs to work on a very large scale with this trial. So, the aim is to analyze blood samples from 10,000 patients, 7,000 with cancer, 3,000 with no known cancer, um, and basically build a library. And to your point, building out this huge database that they can then access and then continue to scale to hundreds of thousands of patients with the goal being, can we start to detect and identify early signals way beyond symptoms, way before something is actually diagnosed? And so, uh, this trial is huge. It's ongoing right now. But I think a key area to watch is like how much of this, how much are they able to enroll? And then what kind of data are they able to glean from that? And then more importantly, how can they turn that data into insights that then will actually tailor and customize a treatment plan for someone too? Absolutely agree. And Shannon, they've already raised one and a half billion dollars through three rounds of funding. That's a huge amount of money for a private company. 
just as you mentioned, they need a lot of data points and that doesn't come for free. Very true. Very expensive. Um, and of course, our listeners who are healthcare investors, you know, even a small scale trial within the hundreds um, is literally uh, billions of dollars. So um, let's actually turn our attention over to valuation from an Illumina's perspective, Simon. Um, so Illumina, obviously a huge growth stock, has a market cap right now, $46 billion, uh, trading at $316 a share. Even though it's a growth stock, do you still see opportunity here with the stock over the long term? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were talking back when in the million dollar portfolio days, our team would, would discuss about how the market was thinking that aluminum was overvalued at a $20 billion valuation. Uh, but again, you know, these things aren't happening linearly. It would be easy for an analyst to say, okay, we did this many genomic tests worldwide this year. We did, we're going to do this many um, next year, then you know, linearly increase the next year. That's simply not what we're seeing right now in the terms of the total number of, of sequences done out there. Um, up until the year 2014, there were less than 40,000 genomic sequences done at worldwide out there uh, for a, a whole genome sequence for a human being. And now, like we just said, there's 25 million just for the consumer DNA side of it. So this is something that's happening exponentially. Again, with Illumina capturing the majority of their money from those consumable materials, uh, they've got such a lock, you know, more than 90% market share on this market. And you're starting to see those large precision medicine initiatives in the US, like the one you mentioned, Shen, but also in UK, they're doing one. China's got their own precision medicine initiative. I mean, these are government funded um, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar projects, and they're all using Illumina's machines. I still personally think there's plenty of room for Illumina to continue to grow even at this valuation. Yeah, I certainly agree there, too. So, let's actually shift gears and talk about the second stock uh, that is extremely relevant in this space. And this is a, a larger name overall, international drug and diagnostic giant, and that company is Roche. Uh, and that's ticker symbol R-H-H-B-Y. And they've really been beefing up their bets when it comes to personalized medicine. Um, and really doing this in multiple avenues, but the one that has actually captured the most attention was their bolt-on acquisition of Foundation Medicine. Um, Simon, of course, this stock doesn't get nearly as much attention as an Illumina does, but it sounds like they've got an interesting approach with Foundation Medicine. A huge company, too. You know, diagnostic side of the business, the drug-making side of the business, too. So they're very integrated, and they've got a lot of resources and tools available to not only see what's going on with patients, but also prescribe those personalized drugs. And as you mentioned, Foundation Medicine was an investment that Roche had for years because they wanted to build out this database of customers' genomes so that they could say, okay, you know, it was originally tissue biopsies, Foundation Medicine was, and now they've moved within the last year to doing also those liquid biopsies like we mentioned before. And so again, the goal is to correlate between what is the patient looking like at the, at the genetic level and then personalize the cure for them as well. Foundation has been a phenomenal investment for anybody who got in on this company. They IPO'd in 2013 at $18 a share, and then Roche just bought them out this last summer at $137 a share. Shannon, by my count, that's better than a seven-bagger in five years. Pretty good return for investors. That's an excellent return. For our listeners, Todd Campbell um, was really singing the praises of Foundation Medicine for years. Um, and we did certainly have to congratulate him on his early win here. But you know what's 
extremely interesting with foundation medicine and even with Roche and their approach. So um, very similar in that they're attempting to detect and identify early signs of cancer on the genetic level. Um, but if you actually look back in history, Roche actually attempted a hostile takeout <laughs> of Illumina. And I believe they it was a $6.2 billion takeover bid, which Illumina, of course, <laughs> fought back. And I mean, honestly, can you blame them? But it makes sense when now you see Roche really positioning themselves and being very strategic about foundation medicine. Um, Simon, do you think with foundation medicine's approach and their platform, um, do you see any advantages compared to, let's say, Illumina and Grail? Are they doing anything different? This is less of a swing for the fences than Grail is. I mean, Grail is basically trying to go for the whole enchilada. You know, when you when you look for you know patients with no symptoms, very very early stage, there's a ton of work and a ton of money that's going to have to go into that. It will be interesting for me as an investor to see how independently Roche lets Foundation run. Uh, is this simply a diagnostic tool that's available to oncologists that may or may not want to use? Roche's developed drugs, the personalized drugs that they're creating, or is it going to be more of a of a sales tactic to say, hey, we're still a drug maker, we're using foundation to push more of our own drugs, and it'll be interesting to see the response between oncologists and Roche uh, and how independently they run foundation. But compared to Grail, I would say it's it's much less independent, it's much less of a swing for the fences. Again, a five point three billion dollar valuation. Uh, that Roche put on foundation, that's a pretty good premium, even considering the Grail last evaluation round we saw a private valuation was at about $3.2 billion. Um, so there's still a lot of growth, I think, for both of those companies. I think that in, in my mind, though, there's more of upside for, for Grail if they can figure out the technical challenges. Yeah, and I will say to um, Foundation's credit, they actually secured a, a pretty nice Medicare reimbursement coverage. Um, so right now, Medicare reimburses at an initial rate of $3,500 per test. Um, and more importantly, Foundation Medicine estimates that only 150,000 of the 1 million Americans with advanced stage cancer are currently being screened. And it just goes to show, I mean, if screening becomes more of a standard for all cancer types early on, and maybe that's a part of when you go to your um, physician for regular checkups, there's a regular cancer screening. You can see the opportunity is huge. I saw some estimates, 12 to $15 billion market opportunity just for their Foundation One platform that they've been using. Um, so this one will be a really interesting one to watch. I don't think, to your point, I don't think it'll be as much of a swing for the fences as Grail, but certainly a formidable competitor. Yeah, 180,000 patients, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a great database they have. Yeah, and their test has been validated with 2,100 clinical samples and 4,200 analytical samples on top of that. So, certainly they are up there. Um, I think when it comes to Roche Foundation Medicine, certainly keep an eye on them, because Grail will not be the only one in this particular market. Uh, let's talk about the third stock here, Simon. So, this one, compared to the other two, this is brand new to the markets, to the public markets. This is a company called Garden Health. They just had their IPO, I believe it was earlier this month. Uh, the company sold 12.5 million shares, $19 a share each. And on its first day of trading, the stock soared almost 70%. Um, and I think they raised about $238 million in their IPO debut. Of course, ticker symbol is GH. 
Simon, do you think this stock is worth the hype? I will go out on a limb here, Shannon, and say, yes, I do think it is. <laughs> there is a, definitely a lot of hype around this. And just in the last couple of days, I mean, the stock is up, what, Shannon, 25 30% since we started talking about this. Um, not giving us necessarily credit for talking about it and that causing the spike, but still interesting to see so recently all the attention on garment. Uh, again, they're also doing liquid biopsies. They've got now a, uh, they, they've identified 73 different cancer uh, related gene mutations that they're screening for out there. They've got 70,000 patients. They're pretty well established. Um, both their CEO and their chairman previously founded companies that got bought by Illumina, <laughs> which is an interesting and very uh, important note, I feel like. But again, this is one that, that unlike Grail, they're taking a much more measured approach, I would say. Gardent is going after advanced stage cancer at first. They've got their cancer screen. They're building off of that uh, advanced stage cancer to kind of go earlier and earlier in the diagnostic and detected and detection phases. But, you know, they've already got um, their screen approved by Medicare for non-small cell lung cancer, which is great. You know, very important cancer to test for. A lot of private insurers, Blue Cross Blue Shield, has already approved their tests. They're getting a lot of headway out there. And if they can do more and more tests and improve this screen that they have, I think there's plenty of room for them to run from their current valuation. Yeah, absolutely. I think what makes um, Garden so interesting is not only are they on the early detection um, and early prevention arena, but they're also looking at it from cancer reoccurrence. Um, and so this is an area that does not get nearly as much attention. At this point of diagnosis, the initial diagnosis, yes, but um, for cancer that reoccurs, there's really not a ton of scientific data to really back up. When should you start treating? How should you treat the patient population? What's the best treatment to use in those circumstances? You see that in various indications, but not on a wide scale. And this is actually in addition to, you know, you mentioned the uh, late stage uh, liquid biopsies, but also too, I mean, that that in and of itself is about a $6 billion opportunity I read. The cancer reoccurrence detection market is a, a bigger opportunity, potentially about $15 billion here. So I think because they're going in with a slightly more narrow approach right now, looking at advanced uh, cancer, but then looking at how can we apply that to various stages of where a patient is at. I think this makes this company particularly intriguing. And honestly, I have to agree, I think it's kind of worth the hype. Yeah, and like you just mentioned, that's that measured approach, right? They've taken what they've learned from advanced stage cancer. You see them kind of moving earlier and earlier in the, in the diagnostic stage screening. I think that's the right way to do this rather than to just go all in and try to bite too much off at the same time. Yeah, so I have to ask Simon, Given that it just debuted on the markets, I know this was one stock when it came to valuation. It was a little bit harder to bite the bullet on. Tell me your hesitations there with how this stock is valued currently. Yeah, so the real interesting thing is they've raised more than $500 million in funding, right? Already. Uh, and a lot, most of that is actually from some heavy hitters that are not the public markets. You know, the IPO got a lot of attention, but 30% of ownership of this company is SoftBank. You know, who is, uh, to, to be frank, kind of erratic on how they make investments and where they're going, where their view uh, is for the future. They've got a very visionary CEO, a founder, but it's kind of hard to tell what SoftBank's intentions are sometimes. So they own 30% of the company. You've got Coastal Adventures and Sequoia Capital, both owning about 10% stakes too. Those are very, very well-renowned venture capitalists in Silicon Valley. But you add all that up, Shannon, that's 50% ownership of the company. 
the public owns a decent stake of this too. And institutions, you know, the Fidelities and the T. Rowe Prices of the world only own 6% of Garden Health. So, you know, when, that's, that's kind of your, your critical, stable uh, financial base for, for a company is these funds that are going to buy and hold for a long, long time. VCs aren't always known for buying and holding for a really long time. They've got their own investors and they have to have exit plans in place. So I think that's my hesitation as an equity investor in the public markets of what's going to happen if, uh, if SoftBank or Sequoia or Coastal Ventures starts unloading a lot of shares. Uh, what's going to happen to the share price as of right now? I'm not saying that will happen, but that's definitely a hesitation, something we need to pay attention to. There could be a lot of volatility in Carbon's future. Yeah, very well said, Simon. So, to wrap things up, if you had to choose of these three, which would be your top pick? I mean, my, my top pick every time I talk on the show with you guys is going to be Illumina. <laughs> I, I think that the competitive position, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, is going to be right at the forefront of this trend of personalized healthcare, and I, and I love them. Uh, and I've talked many times about how much I love them, so I won't belabor the point. I do think, though, that the uh, the one worth keeping an eye on for investors is still Gardent, just because we had such a recent IPO. And I still think a lot of analysts, especially those institutional analysts, haven't quite wrapped their head around this opportunity. And I tend to think that this being the disruptive field that it is of personalized healthcare, I think once that starts sinking in, there's going to be a lot more institutional interest in that company. I think that could be very good for the stock price, too. That's awesome, Simon. So, that means next time you're on the show, we're going to do a follow-up and see where those stocks are at and which one is still your favorite. Um, Thank you so much for just taking the time to come and chat with us about cancer diagnostics. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Simon. It was really a pleasure on my side as well. Thanks very much for having me, Shannon. Anytime. And for our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. That's it for this week's Industry Focus Healthcare Show. But you can always find us on iTunes, Spotify, and now we have our own YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash user slash The Motley Fool to check us out. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Simon Erickson, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! These days, bringing a new drug to life is getting tougher and tougher. It can take billions of dollars and a decade or more to bring an experimental drug from molecule to market. And only one in five marketed drugs ever achieve revenues that match or exceed R&D costs. At Cineos Health, we're working to improve the odds. The result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, Cineos Health is the only company purpose-built to create what we call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Our unique business model allows the clinical and commercial disciplines to work together from the start, sharing critical data, insights, and knowledge. The Cineos Health approach creates success by eliminating traditional obstacles and smoothing the process at every step along the way, from clinical trials to FDA approval, branding and marketing to patient adherence. Every day, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast.